On today's episode, I'm joined by my guests, New York and New Jersey native George Mendez. Tune in to hear his story as he takes us through when he was just a young boy amongst five sisters, to his love for soccer, to him starting his own business. This is Top of the Morning. Where it's just like, you never know what he's going to say, you never know what he's going to do, <laughs> yes. and everything is just like... All right, it, it, for some, he loves sex. Oh, <laughs> bro, he is he is the weirdest person with it too. Because it when he's talking to someone about it, he likes to like get close to yeah. them. Like like you like I think like there was like an episode where he like put his hand on someone's knee. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, he get he gets yeah. like too close to people sometimes. He gets like real, and he likes to look at you in the eye when he's talking about uh, that stuff. <laughs> I went back and watched the first ever episode they dropped, and he got into this conversation. He was like, "What if you go out and someone's." got a got a donkey leg in your wife and it was it's like what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know he's he do, he'd be talking about some weird stuff even the guy there was a old football player that came on retired football player and he was talking about it with him and it, it's yeah there was i can't remember exactly which episode it was but there was a portion of it where he was talking about um the weird stuff that his him and his wife do and he says he likes to dress up like a cat and then like so he'll dress up like a cat and he'll go outside and then he'll like scratch on the door like a cat and then the wife will open the door and then he'll crawl into the house no and shot. then act like a act like a stray cat and then they'll have sex after that. I'm like, how is that even how is that even possibly like attractive? Like like He's like, a furry. I guess yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But no, he talks about some weird stuff, man. No, yeah, Channon's weird. <laughs> Ryan's Ryan's cool. I feel like Ryan's sometimes gets a little bit too deep. He'll yeah, just like, yeah. dude, just ask the question. Exactly. Like, just have the conversation. I I like I like what he does though sometimes because you can tell he's really trying to work through his thoughts and get to the point. But sometimes it takes him a long time to get to the point. Right. Right. And by the time he asks the question, but we're like, okay, like what, what were you talking what, about? Yeah, like, <laughs> what was the whole point of the the, the filler? And then Fred. Fred is just his own world he's just the, the fred likes to sit back and then just throw stuff out there yeah he'll just sit back and then just say all right what about this yeah. and then and and then it's a mic job yeah yeah <laughs> he does have some a lot of really good questions though so yeah. the, pivot, the pivot's a, a great podcast i love i love listening to them it's it's incredible how how quickly they've grown mm-hmm. and how fast they put those episodes out with the fact that ryan is running his um defensive back um coaching he has that whole facility that he runs and then yeah. also he is on espn every single day at five six o'clock yeah. in the morning yeah. for multiple hours whether he's in person like because i'm like a lot of times he's actually in new york doing the episodes or he's in louisiana you know back at home wherever yeah. he's doing it and the that man i don't know how many i don't know how he has that many hours in the day i know and then every <laughs> when was it tuesday or wednesday at midnight he talks about the ufc with Yes, yes, yes. So he has three different podcasts that he does. He runs three different separate businesses, plus he's on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he does a lot. He does a lot. And, like, it's, it's weird because I was actually looking at it on YouTube um, yesterday. And, you know, they all used to be a part of, not Ryan, but Channing and Fred used to be a part of I Am Athlete. Yes, yes, yes. And so... And actually, that's how I learned about them. Like, the whole... I learned about them because of the controversy. Yeah. And then... I, I don't think I ever even listened to an episode of I Am Athlete. I only ever listened to the Pivot podcast, and yeah. then I figured out what the I Am Athlete podcast was to them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I was the other way around. So, I Am Athlete was, like, I was super big, and everybody was like, 
oh, there's a new episode of I Am Asking. Like, gotta watch, gotta watch. And I was the same way. And then they had their disagreement. They ended up splitting up. And I was kind of bitter about them splitting up just because I enjoyed it so much. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to write off the pivot because they obviously ain't going to be as good as I Am Athlete. <laughs> and it's just the opposite. They're, they're even better. I mean, I Am Athlete has like 1.1 million subscribers because of all the people that found out about them mm-hmm. early on. And the pivot only has like 760,000, but the pit or the I Am Athlete, each episode on average is getting about 2,200 views. Wow. Which is not a lot. No, not at all. And then the pivot, they're getting on average 300,000, 400,000, 500,000. Wait, you said 2,200 or 22,000? No, 2,200. No, sorry. No, yeah, 2,200. 2,200 on their, on their YouTube videos? To like 1.3k, that'll be like 1300. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting mad, so correct me if I'm wrong. Same, same. Well, uh, 1.3k, which is 1300, right? Okay, 1300. That's wild, yeah. So, like, they must have been like demonetized or something, like, they must have, like, their their channel must have been like flagged for something because that's the fall off was crazy, you know. That 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 could happen whether you know it or not, like, that could happen whether. Anything you talk about can can get you a red flag. Like yeah. you have no idea, you have no yeah. control over, it, and that's that's probably the hardest thing about um, just posting anything on YouTube. On because I have I have a YouTube, a uh, an Instagram, and a Facebook. So yeah. you know I usually I I use a lot of the same content for all three of them, and you know I I just kind of keep it the same, and yeah. you know something could get a song could get flagged on one that i didn't even use on the other one and it could get picked up and someone can leave a comment on something that i had no idea of and yeah. they can get flagged that way i'm right. like how is somebody leaving a comment my fault <laughs> hey, I, I don't know youtube got some weird stuff going on but it's, it's the way to make money it's, it's what makes the money you yeah, know that's so. crazy that, that 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 amount of subscribers to you to viewership is that that's wild and wild numbers yeah so they don't even use the name so brandon marshall is still like the only one that's still around and he brought two other co-hosts on there and it's still under the youtube page i am athlete but now he calls it paper route hmm. so now instead of doing weekly episodes he does daily episodes and talks about you know whatever story is happening that day but i don't know what's going on but they are not getting the attention they used to get yeah, yeah. So. I used to because I um, when I started listening to the Pivot podcast, I li- I started listening to I Am Athlete as well, just to see you know what story was correlating yeah. with which you know because I I'm I'm very much a person that I I I can only make my own opinion of something if I listen to both sides. Right. So yeah. I will go like I listen to the Pivot podcast. I try to listen to what they were going on. Obviously, professional reasons. They're only going to share so much information back and forth you know you never really know exactly what went on behind cameras and stuff like that so right. apparently it was a uh, a money situation a um a splitting up of the business situation mm-hmm. people were feeling that they were working more than others not giving enough not giving enough credit whatever that was mm-hmm. um so then when i went to go listen to the i am athlete uh, podcast you know they were just not agreeing with whatever they were saying on the pivot podcast and i felt like they were really salty about it so you know that's kind of what made both of their viewership grow really mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. um but obviously the pivot you know they had a lot of better guests they had a lot better uh podcasts i mean one of the hardest podcasts i ever even listened to was the michael beasley podcast yeah that yeah. was that was a wild was, wild episode man just the fact that watch. like how emotional he got so quickly yeah. and it just flew through the whole thing. Like, that was 
That man's been through some, <laughs> some stuff. Yeah, and he, uh, they said he actually didn't even want to do the episode at first, and then they kind of was just like, "Yo, like, come on." And nah, it was it was it was rough. Um, they they touched on that again when they did the one year anniversary um, yeah. episode, which is what I was also watching yesterday, day before yesterday, and they were just kind of harping on that, just how tough that was to see another grown man going through stuff like that and can't really talk about it. Because yeah. you feel like no one cares. Exactly. You know, it's, it's it's rough. And it's not just because he's an NBA player. That's just being a man in general. Of course. Like, of yeah. course. So You was, have those things like that. I, I know I certainly do. Things that happen in our childhood that, you know, necessarily don't like to talk about. Or, you know, you feel like if you talk about it, you're kind of just complaining. Or yeah. no one really cares about what it, like, what it might be or what it could be. And, yeah. you know, you have to keep all that in because it's... It's not that it's hard to share your emotions, but you just know that there's other things that are taking up your time that you just don't feel like you have time to focus on those things. You just got to keep moving, yeah. you know, keep taking care of your family, keep making money. And, you know, it's a lot of different types of people that you can talk to and be a, be in front of that. You know, my wife, she started therapy a few years ago and she's told me I should try and I'm like, yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, I'll I'll figure it out. You know, if I if I feel like I need to, I I will. Um, exercise is absolutely my therapy. I use oh, yeah. it every single day, and heavily it clears my brain and it helps me to get through the day for all the tough decisions that I do have to make and all the time that I have to spend working and running my business, working a full time job, and just yeah. trying to also have time for my family and you know check on people you know i know for a fact i don't call my mom enough so i definitely have to call her sometime today so i tried to give myself time to relax and chill but i really don't know how to do that besides just sleeping mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> like that's um i go for a lot of walks though i definitely go for a lot of walks me and my dog um and my wife you know she she works a full-time job too so when we when we can have our own personal time we definitely try to disconnect and take that for each other and we've gone through a lot of different types of work that we do and a lot of different types of areas that we lived in and jobs that we worked for and we always just tried to make sure that we made time for each other and it was very very rocky at times we were arguing a lot because we were working so much we both got to a point where we were very unhealthy physically and that's kind of what pushed me into taking care of my health and mm-hmm. working as a just as a person that would show myself and then show other people the better way to live um, you know just building healthy habits and mm-hmm. exercise properly that's mm-hmm. how I kind of got into it just for myself because I felt like my body just wasn't working right anymore because I played soccer all my life and mm-hmm. then once you hit a certain age and you're not in school anymore you're not playing those sports and you know you can pick up those weekend games here and there but it's just it's so hard when you don't have that constant practice game, practice game. And then when you're working 80 hours a week for two different jobs, that's when it, your body kind of just says, hey, you're doing too much. And then it starts to break down. But that's when I really started focusing on my health and exercising a lot and learning about it. And then that's how I kind of built this side business from there. Yeah. And you said that when you first started working at O2 Fitness, when you came down from Jersey, that you weren't even a certified trainer. 
Nope. Right. And you just said, like, I know how to work out. So I'm just going to go. And then you sold $700 your first week. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I mean, because, you know, I was uh, working and at that O2 was where Fitness. The, that was where the sales came in. Yes. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Because I was working at O2 Fitness the same time you were, but I didn't know because you were working at a different center mm-hmm. than I was. And I became a personal trainer and I was lucky to sell $700 in the whole time I was there for two years. <laughs> um, so, like, you came down here, started doing uh, personal training work. How, first of all, how did you even get hired without a certification? Okay, so let's go back just a little bit further then. Um, I was working in New Jersey for a company, and that company gave me an opportunity to move down to North Carolina to work for the location that they have down here. I worked there for about a year. That was 2017. Mm -hmm. And then I, best way to say it is they definitely fired me, but for reasons that I didn't agree with and for (laughs) reasons that they really didn't have the basis to fire me on but when you're in a remote location not the headquarter location they can kind of get away with things like that yeah, and run yeah. things the way that they want to unfortunately but um yeah. i was miserable there i was working so many hours and i was i was like seven years into that company at, at that time and i was mm-hmm. kind of just really done with it the company themselves i have no issues with it was all on me and what i put on myself because i i pride myself on being a hard worker and a high earner so I burnt myself out and it definitely showed in my work. So I was going through a tough time. They just weren't really very accommodating for it, but I understood what they did and why I didn't agree with it. So, you know, they let me go. And the day that that happened, as soon as I drove home, the first thing I did was just go to the gym. That was the first thing I did. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my day. I'm not going to waste this period of my life being angry and upset. I just went to the gym. I worked out and just tried to find any any job that I could. So mm-hmm. that was me working at a job where I was making almost 100K a year. And Sheesh. just gone Yeah, out of nowhere. So yeah. that was me reflecting, saying, hey, you put all your time and all your life into this and it just got taken away from you and mm-hmm. you have no backup plan. Mm-hmm. I went to school for one year. I went to high, I went to start, I went to college for one year and I didn't get any type of degree or anything. I just, I saw what was going to happen. If I keep coming back to the school or I keep going to college, I'm going to be taking out these types of loans every single year for four years. And I was like, that's madness because yeah. I don't even know what I'm good. I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah. I went to a college to play soccer and that was something that I got into just because that's what I thought you were supposed to do versus the most of the route that a lot of people in my high school went because it was a vocational high school. Yeah. You get a certification for something, you get a license for something, and then you go work in that field. Right. For me, not a lot of people in my family went to college. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let me just try. Let me yeah. just try to figure it out and go from there. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to me losing that job, I started working for a company just delivering auto parts. Then I started working for um, an insurance company. And then from there, that's when I got the job at O2 Fitness. I was kind of doing both part time. My wife worked as the front desk manager at the uh, Northridge location. Yep. So she knew everyone there. And that's where I went to go work out just because she, wor- she worked there. Yeah. I just knew the fitness director there and the manager there the fitness director kind of asked me if i wanted the job because he knew i worked out well he knew i 
wasn't an idiot, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I just, he saw my personality. So he yeah. saw that I could talk well, I could speak well to people, I can connect. And right. that's kind of half the battle when you're a personal trainer. Right. You can learn everything else afterwards. Um, but I did have a, uh, a NASM virtual trainer certification thing that I took online. It took me like 30 minutes to do. Yeah. So that's all I had from there. Okay. And then I, I just worked there for about a year and a half. I had four or five solid clients that were kind of, three of them were handed to me from a previous trainer, but then the other three I got myself and it was just every single week, back to back to back. I was able to work there just in the mornings and on the weekends and just made my money elsewhere. And then I worked there for about, like I said, a year and a half. And then I found another company very similar to the company that let me go and I couldn't ask for a better job. They're great. You know, great company. I make a very good living there, and I get treated very well there, and it's it's made my life and my health so much better. And same thing for my wife. So yeah, you never yeah. know what's gonna happen. Right, and that's and that's all that matters. And so I kind of want to back up a little bit. So we went back to yeah, no, we your got time. we got into a lot of different topics. Yeah, yeah. no, you're fine. <laughs> we got back to so we went back to your time in Jersey. Um, and how you moved down here because the company you work for, mm-hmm. you, you ended up moving down. But you were one of six kids. Yes. <laughs> and you were the only guy. Only guy. You had five sisters. I have one sister. <laughs> so I can only imagine five of her. Yeah. I would lose my mind. So like, how was it growing up with five sisters? Being the only guy. I absolutely love all of my sisters. Let me just say that first <laughs> in case they hear this. <laughs> But we all were so close, none of that really mattered. We all got along so well just because of our circumstances. My father and my mother have three, have four of us all all together. So myself and my three sisters, we have the same dad. Um, I have one sister that has a different mom and I have one sister that has a different dad. So we all grew up together but separately at the same time two of my older sisters they kind of got out of the house a little earlier and it was me and my three sisters all growing up together if if you want me to get into some of those stories in the past of how we grew up and how that happened i can it's it's a lot of different things and how my family got put together and the fact that we're all still here and most of us are doing pretty well in our lives is actually pretty amazing and all that's just to my mom. Yeah. My mom is, I can't, I can't say, I can't say enough about her. And she means so much to me. She means so much to all my sisters and how she never complained about anything and never asked anyone for anything. Obviously, me being a kid, I don't, I don't know exactly everything that she had to do, but right. she was always there. She always had food in, in the fridge and she always found a way to put, you know, a roof over our heads, so. though. Yeah, yeah, it takes a different kind of strength in a mother to raise six kids. Dude. Uh, different kind of strength. <laughs> like, I look at my mom, she, you know, there's four kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, shout out to you, but like six, you know, it's. But we all took care of each other. Um, my mom, she always had two or three jobs. Yeah. So my two oldest sisters, they kind of again they had k- 
kids early on so they were out of the house you know doing their own thing living their own lives yeah but uh my oldest sister that we all have the same mom and dad madeline she kind of was the secondary mother to my other two sisters and myself so she i have the oldest she she's the oldest out of us four okay. correct gotcha. and then my other sister uh, gina myself and my youngest sister millie so from you know the stories that they told me when i was a kid my oldest sister would make sure that we were getting to school on time so there's a story that i've been told that we lived in queens in new york mm-hmm. and the school that we went to was in brooklyn new york mm-hmm. my sister madeline i think she was maybe like 11 or 12 at the time my mom would put all four of us on a train by ourselves and let us figure out how to get to school from there what we didn't know was that she was in the back of the car of the train uh, and she would follow us to make yeah, sure yeah so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know my sister she would walk me to um my school my youngest sister i believe she would probably get dropped off at a babysitter because she was like you know one years old yeah. and i was like three or four yeah um and then my other sister, Gina, I think, because we all went to different schools. That was the hardest part. Okay. We all went to different schools. And then at the end of the day, my sister would round us up, take us over to our grandmother's apartment in, in Brooklyn. We would have dinner there. And then, you know, when my mom was done her job, she would come pick us up. And then we'd all have to take the train back to where we live. So it was there was a lot of times where we always had to just rely on each other and take mm-hmm. care of each other. And that's how we became so close obviously just like any other siblings we always fought because just so many different personalities so many many different heads in the game but it was yeah we we have a beautiful family and i wouldn't trade it for the world it's it's something that i really appreciate because it made me understand what hard times were and it made me understand what like how easily living a good life actually really is yeah for sure and in the moment when your mom's putting y'all on the train and it was like all right y'all go ahead that's like it's crazy you know what <laughs> it's exactly. and so i mean i'm not sure if you were at the age where you were kind of resonating like oh this is like you know normal okay um but like hindsight looking back at it i'm pretty sure i would be like are you appreciative that she did that because she basically told y'all like hey you got you got to grow up mm-hmm. and you got to you know I, i'm not gonna be able to hold your hand forever mm-hmm. you know so she basically gave you the opportunity to mature on your own and um learn on your own and i'm like how, so now when you're looking back on it like how do you think that helped you um as a person growing up it made us tough yeah. it absolutely made us tough it made us really understand how how the world we we learned how the world works pretty quickly as kids yeah. um so the reason why it was just my mother we had to rely on was because my father was in prison pretty much most of my life. Mm-hmm. He went to jail, I think, when I was about three years old until I was about 16. Okay. So most of my life, I didn't really have him in there. I didn't have any kind of, you know, uh, any kind of attachment to him, any kind of relationship with him, you know, send letters back and forth. And, you know, we would go to visit him when we were kids. And then once we were able to kind of make our own decisions, whether we wanted to visit him or not, I really didn't feel the need to. I really didn't feel like the relationship was worth it because it was something that I needed to do for myself. My sisters definitely 
still wanted to have some kind of a relationship with him but just me being a young man me knowing that I never got to do the things with him that every other boy got to do with their dads or I really didn't have that relationship to you know someone to teach me how to play a sport someone to teach me how to shave someone to teach me how to drive a car you know those things that your dad usually does with you I didn't really have that so I decided I decided early on that I needed to be the man of the house and take care of myself and take care of my sisters. So I was always, I was pretty angry, pretty angry kid most yeah. of the time. So yeah. that was, that was something that made me kind of stand out and be really protective of my family. And it definitely, my mom, you know, she didn't really have a choice. She kind of just had to do whatever she had to do to feed us and take care of us. So the fact that she had the mindset to be like, I'm going to let these kids kind of figure it out and I'm going to always be there just watching and just see if they can figure it out. You know, that was, that was also back in the nineties. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's different now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. You see somebody doing that now. They're like, yeah, CPS, like we got some kids on the train and everything. And we didn't have yeah. cell phones. You know, there was no yeah. cell phones. That's true. There was no That's cell phones back true. then. So yeah, we didn't have any GPS on us or yeah. anything. It was just, it, it was just, you know, Make figure it, it out yeah figure yeah. it out make it work um but she she made she made a lot of decisions that most people would have been too afraid to make or most people would have been very very hard for them to make and i'm sure it was hard i'm sure she she hated making decisions that had to send us to go do things by ourselves you know and, and any mother just wants to you know have fun with their kids and, right. and hang out and be a part of that for their young life but mm-hmm. when you have to rely on each other when you have to grow up very quickly when you have to deal with real world situations as a kid it's it, it makes you a different kind of a different kind of adult and a different kind of person so yeah did you um ever have any type of father figure yes. at all growing up absolutely who was that so when we moved from New York City to New Jersey, I think I was about in the third or fourth grade, so around 11, you know, 10 or 11 years old, around that age. We lived in New Jersey for about a year, and then my mother met my stepfather. So um, his name is Antonio. He came into our life and took care of us as if we were his own kids. So definitely had a support system then i didn't really have that one-on-one personal situ personal father figure relationship with him but he definitely was someone that worked hard every single day came home every single night took care of his family and that was good for me to see that was absolutely good for me to see just being able to because i didn't appreciate that at the time i didn't really know what he was showing me and how he was showing me but now when i can reflect back on it and look back on it thinking of because he was he was a land he worked in a landscaping business so the fact that i don't have to work that type of job i don't have to live in that that kind of life because i saw how it treated you i saw how it treated your body and that was you know that man worked 15 16 hour days from the time the sun came up to you know, late at night sometimes, and he would come home, his body would hurt, he would be beat up, dirty from landscaping jobs all day, and just me, just knowing that he had our backs because he was there, and he, you know, paid the rent, the mortgage, whatever it was, and and helped my mom with the bills, that was 
just something that I needed to see. And um, that definitely helped us out a lot. The other father figure I had in my life was my cousin, AJ. He, so we have a weird situation in our family is his dad and my dad are brothers Mm -hmm. and his mom and my mom are sisters. So his, (laughs) his parents actually met and got married and I believe that's how my parents met each other okay. from them being married. And then that's how they had kids. Okay. So whether he had a different dad or he had a different mom, we still would have been related in some way. So okay. to me, he's my brother. Yeah. I've, okay. I've, I haven't had any other family member that I've gotten that close with besides him. But he literally gave me the clothes off of his back. There was a time where, you know, we never had a lot of money. So I never got new clothes every single year for school i never got new shoes every single year from for for school not until i got into high school but that entire time from elementary and middle school like he would just get me whatever i needed he would take Mm -hmm. care of me he would he knew how my life was at home being at home with all girls and my stepdad was barely ever home because he worked so much he would come pick me up and we would just do simple things like i remember i remember specifically he would come pick me up after he got off of work. We would go to the Burger King right across the street from his apartment. We'd get these um, double cheeseburger sandwiches, and then we'd go to Blockbuster, and then we'd pick out a movie or whatever. I think one of the movies that we that we rented like a bunch of times was Fast and Furious, the, the, fir- the first one. <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so we'd get that. You know, we'd go back to his place. Um, and then, you know, we would just chill. You know, he, we, we, he would just give me that connection that I needed. He would give me that time that I needed to hang out with someone and be just disconnected from all the women in my family and just, you know, give me so much love that I needed that I didn't really get anywhere else. I mean, he would cut my hair in his kitchen. He would give me clothes that I needed. He would buy me things that I needed, you know, if I needed you know, school supplies or something, you know, he would take care of me for that, so shout out to my cousin aj he 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 stepped up yeah sure he's still up in jersey yeah he's still in jersey me and him um talk every you know every single week he's actually so i have a an app that i use to train my clients with through online training Mm -hmm. and he's like my guinea pig that i use for most of that stuff so i so me and him you know i check in with him every week or every other week and you know we we talk all the time so we we try to stay very very close he was you know, my best man at my wedding and everything. I, He's actually really still mad about that, I think, because he didn't know I was going to propose to, to oh. my wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I didn't tell anybody, actually. Oh, I, that's fair. I, 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 bought, I bought the ring the same day that I proposed to her. Oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't tell anyone. It was actually it was actually our going away party, moving from New Jersey down to North Carolina. Uh-huh. There was probably like 50 people at this party. It was at her mom's house. Uh-huh. So we got to her mom's house. Uh, everyone was there. Her stepdad was there. He's a DJ. So, you know, he had a bunch of music, like a TV screen, a bunch of lights and everything. So I told him like a few minutes before I did it because he already made like a video that, mm-hmm. you know, the pictures of us because we've been together for a long time. I've yeah. been I've been my wife since I was 15. Right. So we've. So he had like a bunch of pictures, like some sad music going on, like like a funeral yeah. or something like we were gonna die. <laughs> so after that, 
so we so that was that was uh, part of the party and then i told my best friend marcus because i wanted just him to you know catch catch pictures and videos right. and stuff like that right. so i told him and i told her her stepdad but again this was like 10 minutes before i did it right so i had the i had the ring in my pocket and the whole time my my hand was just in my pocket just holding on to it i wanted uh-huh. to make sure it wasn't going anywhere i didn't uh-huh. lose it nothing and after after the fact, um, one of her friends actually said that she saw my hand in my pocket the whole time. So she so she she, she, yeah, she knew yeah. something was gonna yeah, happen. Yeah. So after the whole video uh, happened, I you know try to grab uh, my wife Kirsty's hand, and she thought I was like gonna try to embarrass her or something. <laughs> so she was like trying to like pull away from me. She was like she had a water bottle in hand. I thought she was gonna throw the water bottle at me. <laughs> So, uh, we were talking about, um, you know, just, I was just, you know, got up and just thanked everybody. And then I started talking to her. I said, you know, Kirsty, you're the love of my life. I can't see myself living without you. I dropped down on one knee. She burst into tears and then I had the, um, the, uh, ring in my, in my hand. But again, in the background of the, in the background of the video that you could, that you could, uh, see us, see me proposing to her. I heard I heard my cousin in the background. He was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> so I know he was still a little upset about that, but you know, I just I didn't tell anyone for a reason. I just wanted everybody to be surprised. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's fair. I was kind of the same way when I, I told her parents. But as far as like her her best friend and her sister, her her best friend is absolutely atrocious at keeping secrets, <laughs> and so everybody was saying like. Or so her parents were saying, okay, if you're going to propose on this day, you cannot tell uh, Rachel. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. And there was a, there was a one other point where I told her I was coming up to Virginia to visit her. This was before, was it before we got, it was before we got married. I was coming up to Virginia to, to uh, surprise her on Christmas Day. Hmm. Um, and like she ruined the whole thing. Because <laughs> she just, like she thinks she's being secretive and it's like, you're absolutely not. She right. is she the person that makes up a lie that has nothing to do with the story, but it just seems so sketchy that you ruined the surprise. It, so not even that. <laughs> it, not even that. So for instance, they were at a movie theater, right? And my wife had said something to along the lines of like, "Oh, like I want to go see this movie with Cameron, something like that." And her best friend was like, "Oh, like you'll be able to." <laughs> and it's like, why would you even say that? Like, I I can feel the side eye. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel the side eye. Like, I, I, I get up there and uh, and also my wife knew because she when she gets like a like a a hint of something or she thinks something's going on, she she just like she'll try whatever she can do to figure it out. Never let it go. So she'll so she went back to the house and she was like, you know, thinking about what her friend uh, said. I was like, dang, like why would she say that? And so she checked my location. And my location showed I was like five minutes from the house. Mm. And so she was like, oh, okay. Like, that's why she said that. And so it was supposed to be this big surprise. Like, cameras were rolling when I walked in the house. Her eyes were closed. And she was like, oh, I, I know what it is already. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, <laughs> I just drove four hours for a surprise. And I can't even surprise you. Where did she, where did she live? She lived in Stanton, Virginia. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, back, uh, Hickville. I call it Hickville because it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. She she gets mad at me when I, when I talk about Stanton. How, but... how did you guys meet? Uh, we met at youth camp um, mm. in 2019. I was a youth leader at my church. You're the first question to ever ask me a question. You're, no, you're the first person to ever ask me a question on the pod. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2019, youth camp. I was the youth leader at my church, um, and she was a youth leader at her church. And it was funny because um, 
I had it on my heart to go to youth camp, but there was no more spots to, to go for leaders. And so then last minute, my dad couldn't go. And so he dropped out, took his place. Hmm. Um, so we went, she claims that I was talking to her all, all week and I was like, I really don't remember that. <laughs> she was like, you were by my side and you would make uh, yourself in a position to have a conversation with me. And I was like, I don't remember that. I and, mean, if you're, if you're cute, you're cute. I mean, that's what it is. So, uh, yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, like, I was talking to somebody else. Okay. So, and I, t- I told her that. And I was like, I don't want to believe that I was doing that because then I would be, you know, doing a disservice to whoever I was talking to. But, like, you know, that's another story for another time because, mm-hmm. anyway. anyway. Uh, so, then that was 2019 and then uh, COVID hit. And then, like, August of 2020, we hung out for the first time and then, like, the rest of history. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, that was that. Um, very nice but now we're here 2023 and it's wonderful house um, but back to you back to you uh, you started playing soccer yes and you are also a New York Giants fan yes but you used to be a Jets fan Ooh. and you used to be a Mets fan mm-hmm. and now you're a Giants and Yankees fan yes as you should be <laughs> so kind of take me through when you started playing soccer and then take it up to because you said you went to Wider University and played soccer for a year mm-hmm. Uh, take me through why well I know why but take the people through why uh, you switched over from the Jets and the Mets to the Giants and Yankees and kind of through your soccer progression yeah so the teams first my grandfather actually on my dad's side biggest Mets fan I ever met and he was just one of those people that he was just always angry because he was a Mets fan. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing else in his life made him angry. He was a taxi driver in New York City. He had a cane in the back of his cab that turned into a sword that he had to beat somebody with at what? one time. That's a whole nother. That, that's a whole nother <laughs> oh podcast. God. But yeah, he was a he was a New York cab driver for like twenty some years, and even that didn't make him as angry as being a Mets fan. Well, so. I lived with my grandmother and my grandfather for a good amount of time when I was a kid. It was actually just me living there. My mom and my sisters lived like, I don't know, like five minutes down the road from us in in Brooklyn. So I, just because, again, I was the only boy, so they wanted me just to have my own personal space. Yeah. So I lived with my grandmother for a few years, but every single day I would come home from school or every single weekend, Saturday, you know, midday, noon game that would come on, Mm -hmm. this guy would just be angry all the time. So, you know, I I just, I liked them and I watched them just because he watched them and that's just what we would do. We just sit there, watch the game sometimes and he would just try to explain it to me. I was, you know, a kid, so I didn't really understand everything. I never never actually played baseball, so Mm -hmm. I just watched it with him and then, again, he would watch the Jets during football season and again just be the angriest person I know because they would just always lose yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. So again, he was Mets and Jets till till he died, but once I wasn't living with him anymore, I just wasn't watching those kind of sports. I just, you know, played sports as a kid and just went to school and didn't really care that much about professional sports until my cousin AJ mm-hmm. came and you know, brought me into his circle, brought me into his life, and him and, you know, a few of his friends, big Giants fans, real big Giants fans, so I started just understanding and learning more about the sport, and then again with the Yankees, and, you know, he just kind of converted me over to watching them, because he would 
we would play Madden and we would play MLB. I would just watch him play the video games. Yeah. And then I started understanding the players' positions and understanding, you know, players' names. And then he actually took me to a few Giants games so I can watch him in person. Um, I can't remember if we, if me and him actually went to a Yankees game together. I know I've been to one, but I, I believe me and him went to one together. But we just, we've done so much together. So it's hard for me to remember everything. Right, right. But yeah, so that's how I got just started watching because he got me right at the time before I like could make my own decisions that he just gave me all the information that I needed. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've always, you know, since, since I can remember, watched the Giants, watched the Yankees play. And I've, you know, I've always been a real big Eli Manning fan because I, I knew I knew there was something cool about him and he was gonna do cool things. Just didn't know what. Right. And then there was a time where my cousin AJ was actually living with us in my mom's house because he was just moving back and forth between um, different. He he moved to like Florida or something. Then he came back and he was supposed to live back in Jersey. But there was a time it was oh uh, seven oh eight. So Super Bowl year. Yeah. Yep. So, so we yep, were yep. watching the playoffs together and then you know when that final throw happened when he threw it down and the david tyree helmet catch like we just went nuts and then ever since then you know that was something that we just shared a lot and again it was just quality time that we we would do i would go over to his place we'd watch sunday football or you know during the summer watch baseball things like that so it was just something for us to bond with yeah for sure that's cool and before we get into your soccer story did you play football did you ever think about playing football um, I went out for a camp one year with one of my friends actually in Virginia, and I realized very quickly that my body is not built for that sport. <laughs> my body was no, 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 not built for that sport at all. Because of my height, they had two options with me, obviously, running back or cornerback. Yeah. They really didn't. I couldn't play any other position because I wasn't heavy enough and I wasn't tall enough. So they gave me both of those two positions. To arguably the the biggest positions where you don't get beat up the most, but you just obviously take the hardest hits by the fastest players at all times. Yeah. So yep. they gave me, you know, they, they put me in this in this camp, and I was only just there because because my friend was there. He, yeah. he just brought me along. Right. So you know, I did like the three hour lifting workout that they did, and then the three hour playing that they did on the field, and then he had to go back at like seven o'clock at night to do more training. I was like, this is nonsense. Yeah. I'm never doing this again i I did that for an entire summer with him and i was like nope football is not for me my body was way too it was not built for that well i mean you so was this before you started playing soccer correct well no no no. this was i would we we me and my best friend actually me and my best friend his name was razul and me and him actually met by playing soccer he lived in the house right behind me Uh and i think we were like playing soccer at the same time like in middle school mm-hmm. so that's how that's how me and him met me and him met through soccer but then he moved down to virginia and then he was trying out for the football team so okay. i was I've, I've been playing soccer probably since i was about um like early middle school like fifth, okay. like fifth fifth or sixth grade that's when i started playing um i first got introduced to soccer and i believe in the fifth or sixth grade but i was like this little chubby kid yeah so i really didn't have much coordination i didn't have much to do with anything i didn't know anything about the sport i just knew that i tried out for the team and they didn't cut anybody uh-huh. so i just got on the team yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh we had a good coach actually so he you know he taught the fundamentals ball touch and uh you know being physically fit he would make us run a lot and after two years of playing 
my you know i was still going through puberty at the time so my body grew i grew like six inches because i was like and, and you know six inches for me that's yeah. pretty good yeah. I'm, I'm only five six right so i was like i was really tiny and like, i was just a meatball i was short fat kid yeah. so after a year or two of playing soccer you know my body grew a few inches and i dropped down like 20 pounds so uh, that was just that sport actually got me really physically fit and then i started getting into the fundamentals i started playing rec ball like on the weekends and that's just how I met most of my really good friends through playing that. And then I just fell in love with the sports from there. Yeah, yeah. Because I asked because usually when you have a, a person who plays soccer and they go to football, usually they just go out and be a kicker yeah. or a punter. <laughs> so if like if you're at this camp and it's like, yeah, running back's not working for me, corner's not working for me. You I never was, had the thought of like... I was very fast. I, I, okay. could, I could run very fast. Okay. And... I, I think football scared me enough that I was just able to run away from people very, yeah. very easily. Yeah. So I was able to avoid a lot of tackles, but the ones that I took were brutal. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I always just like, once I touched the soccer ball, I just, I knew I loved it. Yeah. So there was just, it was so much fun for me. And then all of my friends became from playing soccer. We all watched all the World Cups. We all watched all the games on the weekends. And then we played FIFA for, that, that was probably the, the game that I played the most was FIFA. So it was just, you know, constant me understanding the game, understanding the rules and understanding how much actual mental it takes for it to be able to run that much and be in that kind of a shape. The most soccer players, especially the ones that I've met recently, just doing the soccer camp that I am doing, they are very physically fit in all different ways, but they don't understand the balance that it takes of actually resistance training to keep your body healthy. The reason why most of them have these hip pains or these knee pains or inflammation randomly is just because all they're doing is playing soccer. They're not taking the time elsewhere. And I get it because they have school, they have mm -hmm. other obligations. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be proficient at this sport, if you want to be proficient in any sport, you have to make resistance training a yeah. part of your weekly and off season, in season, your routine. It has to be a part of your routine. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So uh, let's talk about when you were at Widener for a minute. You went, you played a season, and then yes. you left for financial reasons. So is that something? You leaving, is that something you've been able to come to terms with? Or was there like a what if about playing soccer after you left? Definitely. Absolutely. Um, I, when I went to the high school that I went to, I made varsity right away. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a lot of talent. So, you know, maybe I wouldn't have made varsity at any other school. But because I made varsity so quickly, it got me a lot of playing time. Mm -hmm. So I was on the field with these big players, these fast players very quickly. And I realized how weak i was just in that first year of me playing soccer so after that some after my freshman year i spent all of my time just exercising working hard i had a i had a like a little small gym inside of the shed it was no ac no <laughs> no heater no anything so whether it was cold or it was hot i was in that shed there was a punching bag some weights and i just i just worked as hard as i possibly could just to put muscle on to gain more weight so i can be able to withstand what i was withstanding on the soccer field because if you know anything about those positions normally anyone that plays the uh, center defensive position, you have to be tall because it's very much a position where you have to be able to get the ball out from inside the 18. And it's really hard to do when you're as short as someone my, my height is. 
a lot of defenders are very, very good, whether they're tall or short. But if you're tall, you kind of get picked first. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I knew I was not going to grow anymore in my height. So I had to be fast and I had to be strong. So that was where I came. That was where my talents came in in order to run with the players that we were playing against because every single game that we played we were completely the underdogs Mm -hmm. i went to a vocational high school and we had a horrible track record like never won a single playoff game never won a single championship game or anything like that so when i just because i had a lot of playing time and again we had a big freshman class come in so we all grew up in the same in the same position together so all of us played together for a long time so we all got a lot faster and stronger at the same time so my senior year i actually got um, like top 10 defensive player in South Jersey or something like that. And I was picked for this all-star team. So there was, I didn't really know the path of being recruited of what a player of what that looked like. I didn't have money to go play for these ID camps or I didn't have anybody telling me, Hey, you should go you know, play for these travel teams or anything like that. I kind of just did what I did and you know got recognition for it mm-hmm. so once I did go over to uh, college for one year and I played that one season I thought maybe if I had someone to show me a better route I might have gotten a better opportunity because I didn't get recruited to that school but they gave me an athletic scholarship so okay. it was just something that they I realized it's just something that they do and something that they call it so they you know they can just get kids to right, go to school. Right, right. so because it was a d3 school so uh-huh. you know they weren't they they weren't highly recruited they weren't a lot of crazy players there or anything like that they were they the practices that i went to and like when i got there during the summer they had really really like high level kids but they were high level to me because mm-hmm. i never experienced that before yeah, it's all just yeah. about what you experience and right. how your environment is the better your environment the better chances you are of being a better player. Right. And right. that's something that I saw in the soccer camp that I do with the uh, other coaches that we, that, that I work with now. So I always knew that I could probably have been a better player. I just didn't know the path. So now that I understand that a little bit better, I try to use that information best I can and share it with the younger kids that I work with now that if you, if you really understand where to go and where to get the information and how to get good information that's half the battle and you can go anywhere with that yeah go into more uh if you want about your soccer camp that you're running yeah yeah uh so the actual uh owner um is his name is fabrice and he runs one soccer academy the um large corporation that he used to work for he was a coach there for like two years and he just didn't really care for the way that they were running things. So he was like, I'm just going to go do my own thing. So this was back in 2020. So great time to start a business. Right, right, right. <laughs> he, Everybody tried to start one around then. Exactly. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So he uh, had like four or five kids that showed up to, you know, after him reaching out to a bunch of parents and a bunch of kids saying, hey, you know, I'm starting this camp, you know, come out and come play with us he had like four or five kids show up the first year and then from there a lot of people saw the value in the types of players that he had because he had very underprivileged underprivileged players players that couldn't afford to pay for those high level soccer camps those high level teams and those high level academies then once that talent was there because you know a lot of there's so many kids that are very talented that can't afford 
certain things that can right, pay for it. Right. So that's where he kind of bases a lot of his um, a lot of his players off of, and how he runs a lot of his business. He brings a lot of those types of kids in, so that way it makes the environment so much harder. So that way the kids that aren't as talented or the kids that want to be more talented, they have that environment so they can work hard, get that good experience. And when you when you're playing against someone that's your level, it's really easy for you to slack off a little bit. And yeah. It's really easy for you to be like, okay, you know, this person's not gonna beat me, but I'm also not gonna, you know, get my butt kicked. Right. right. So when you bringing when you're bringing someone in an environment that is so much higher level than you you know when you rub elbows with somebody when you're face to face with them when you're body to body with them that's where you get the real feeling that's where you improve so much better so quickly so mm-hmm. once they saw that every single year he's just been growing from there and then you know he the way that i actually found out about him was funny enough because of you because of me yeah <laughs> because do? of you what did i do <laughs> do you remember it was um two summers ago where you were out on those wral fields and you were running routes and warming up because you had some trial to go to okay yeah i remember that so me and so i met you just out on those fields that that one day yeah. and then you told me you were going to be back out there the next day so uh-huh. i went back out there to see if maybe me and you could get a workout in together but uh-huh. you weren't there so I just okay. did my own workout. Okay. From me leaving the the fields and going up the stairs, he saw me from across the field and I had a tripod with me. And he said, hey, you, can you come record something for me real quick? And I was like, me? Like, I don't know this dude. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you know what? I got 15 minutes. So yeah. I walked over there helped him record something, told him what I did, because I was still, you know, relatively new at running my own business of being a personal trainer from there. So he, you know, just, me and him just got along very well. Our our passions aligned. I played soccer so much, and he was just doing a one-on-one training with someone. I just, I held up his phone, and I was recording some videos for him. So after that, we had a few conversations. Uh, He asked me if I wouldn't mind helping him out. He was having some issues with his knees. And then from there, I... He said, all right, I need you to bring what you do to the kids that I have. And then from there, uh, it was like the soccer camp was starting the next week. And it was his, it was his second year. He said, can you show up and, you know, do some warm ups for, for these kids? Because that's really what my um, my focus is, is just helping them warm up properly, uh, showing them really good mobility movements to do. That's kind of where I live in strength and mobility movements. So. He didn't tell me how many kids were going to be there. <laughs> and again, this was only his second year. Right. When I showed up, it was like 25 kids there. Yeah. So he said, can you go warm them up? I'm like, I've never warmed up more than one person right. in my life. Right. So I just kind of like, I was like, all right, you know, this is one of those moments where you're being tested and you need to figure it out. So I just went out there. I was nervous as hell. I was stuttering. I was mm. very quiet because yeah. I've. I've never been in a position besides actually playing a sport where I needed to project my voice yeah. and explain things. Yeah. And if you've never done that before, people don't understand how how exhausting that is. It is. It's really it is. exhausting. Like, yeah. expect, like, like, shout out to all those people that do those group training classes yeah. four or five times a day. Right. Because when you're shouting and working out and trying to explain something at the same exact time, it is physically exhausting. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to think about 
Am I doing this properly? Am I explaining this properly? Am I breathing? And I'm and is what I'm saying going to relate to that other person so they can connect to it and get that into their head so they can understand what I'm trying to explain to them. So again, I was I was exhausted just after the first session and he had like four or five more groups coming in because he he puts them through a um, a warm up and then uh, ball drills and then shooting drills and then a full game. So he had, and he was just doing this all himself um, mm-hmm. f- for the first year, and then for the second year he had one other coach with him, and then the um, and then I came in just to help with the the warm ups, and then this last year that we did it, we had like four or five coaches, so okay. it was a lot yeah. easier. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, no, the 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 environment of it, I I loved it immediately because it's completely just doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter who you are, where you came from, what you did before. All that matters is that environment, those fields, if you don't show up, everyone's going to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's going to see if you don't show up. And the the way that those kids hold themselves accountable is really amazing. That's because of him. Because yeah. he, he, he raises the bar to match his passion. And I hope you can meet him and, and you guys can talk one day. Because when you, like, he is just the most passionate person about this game that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And... I feel lazy when I'm around him. Really? (laughs) So what you're saying is, if I'm understanding this correctly, if I would have showed up to the fields that day, Mm -hmm. you might not have gotten the opportunity to talk to him. That's like, that's almost a 99% accurate, yes. Y'all hear that? (laughs) Top of the morning, people? Sometimes you just don't got to go places. It it works out for other people. (laughs) No, Thank you, Cam. Thank you, Cam. No, I I really didn't know that was... uh, the case about how you got into it. Mm-hmm. It was uh-huh. it was the exact day after me and you met because I don't think you and I have ever actually even formally met before. Then we just kind of pat like like pass right. each other because I used to live right next to that Wake Forest uh, gym, so I would go yeah. there all the time. Yeah. And that's the rest one. in peace. Yeah. <laughs> that gym's no longer there. Yeah. Uh, but that's that that's where you worked, and you know yeah. me and you me and you just pass each other. We talk talk to each other at the desk right. sometimes, right. but we never yeah. actually sat down and have, had a conversation right. before. So me and you meeting at those fields that one day, just serendipitous and everything from there kind of led into what my life is right now. Now I have multiple players that I'm working with from his camp. Uh, he's introduced me to some professional players that I can work as he has. He has talent from all over, like professional all the way to college. And he even has uh, this group called the Grassroots. And that's like five six seven eight years old so he has a whole wide range of kids that come through his camp and i've just been fortunate to show up and be able to meet his people and he's invited me in like family and i think that's very much because of the way that i approached it um i knew that i needed a lot more experience than what i had and when he invited me i just said yes even though i had no idea what it was because I knew I needed more experience. Yeah. I only had that one year of the in-person training at the gym, and I only worked with maybe 10, 15 people within that year because uh, the only reason why I didn't work there anymore was because you know, everything got shut down. Right, right. They told everyone, go home, and they told everyone, hey, you can do you know, virtual training or whatever, and I was like, eh, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Yeah. So that's kind of where I went through from there, and when I... Uh, um, uh, when he brought me into his environment I just I didn't ask for anything like I think I feel like a lot of people would have been like yeah uh, you can pay me this much yeah right, right. Um, I didn't ask for anything I just wanted to just be there and learn yeah. and I think that's the reason why 
I was brought in to be a member of, you know, his environment as a good, as, as just like a good source because I didn't like, I, I, I'm, I'm very much not entitled. I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I'm, I'm owed anything. I work for everything that I have. And I know for a fact that the more that I work, the more that I will get, but I also need to make sure that I'm not, I'm not sacrificing my values for money. So that's always how I've been. That's always how I work. And it's always paid off. Yeah. And that was a good birthday gift. Cause I remember when I met you, it was on your birthday. Yeah. yeah so that, that was a good birthday gift. Um, and so my, that whole, was, my, my, my whole last uh, two years because of Cam. Who knew? Uh, don't hold <laughs> all to me. You, you, you put in some good amount of work for yourself. Absolutely. Um, and so that was, like you said, right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. And that changed everybody's life mm-hmm. um, for better or worse. I mean, in the middle of COVID, I got an opportunity to go play professional rugby. Middle of, co- middle of COVID, you got an opportunity to work with mm-hmm. um, this guy for soccer. And also in the middle of COVID, you stepped away from O2 Fitness and started your own freelancer thing. And now you have your own fitness business called Think, Think Strong Fitness. Yes. Um, and so when you, when when COVID hit in O2, or not O2, just the whole world shut down. They was like, hey, everybody go their own way. When you say you're just going to do your own thing, was that a step of faith on your end saying like, yeah, I think I just want to do my own thing because I, I think it'll work. Or did you say, I'm going to do my own thing. And like, I know I can do it. Like what, what was your mindset when you stepped away? So two things on that. I feel like I had enough experience to learn more about the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I had enough experience one-on-one with people that I can figure it out and I knew that I had a lot of good qualities to me mainly because I had a lot of sales experience so I don't think if I didn't have the jobs that I did I wouldn't have had the confidence to start something like that by myself I wouldn't have been able to know how to figure out the proper way because what a lot of people don't explain on the business side of you know running an online business or running a business at all is your number one priority needs to be communication. Mm-hmm. Your number one priority mm-hmm. needs to be communication with clients, with people you do business with, uh, anyone that you put your name on. Your top priority has to be communication. Mm-hmm. And I don't think if I would have, I don't think if I worked, if I didn't work inside of an office and work in a sales job, I wouldn't have known how to do that. I wouldn't right. have known how to pick up the phone and properly speak to someone or text someone in a very professional way or email someone in a very professional way. And those skills gave me the confidence to say, hey, if I can package myself in the right way to sell myself, I can figure everything else out because I know how a infrastructure can work. I know how to be uh, communicative with people. I know how to put my own personal touch on a sale. I know how to be someone that is going to show up and do the things that he says he's going to do because I don't know how to live any other way. If I Mm -hmm. say I'm going to do something, it's because I'm going to do it. If I'm putting my name on it, it's because I have confidence in it. Whether I know it's going to work out or not, most of the time it hasn't worked out, but I've been really lucky these last three years. Mm -hmm. So I definitely felt like I had enough experience to figure it out and make it work. But also I knew I needed to do something else because the way that my life was going, I knew I had to make some other source of income so I can provide for my family Mm -hmm. and also just have something of my own. 
I didn't have anything of my own. I, my car was, I, I didn't own a car. It was just something that I was paying for. It was, it was mm-hmm. an apartment. I didn't own that apartment. Yeah. I didn't have anything of my own. I worked for someone else's business. And yeah. running a business has been the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's also just been one of the most rewarding because I picked something that I actually do enjoy. I'm in an environment that I do love. And if I was making money doing something that I didn't care about, like I could have taken my sales experience and did the online, figured out how to do finance or trade or trading or whatever it is out there. But I knew for a fact I wouldn't have stuck with it because it's not something that I cared about. A lot of people don't have something that they care about like that. So they have to find another way to make money or they have to work a job that they don't really care to work in. And I don't know if it's fortunate or if it's just because I am willing to try different things that it made me find something that I like. Because I'm not, I'm not afraid to try anything. Yeah. I'm not afraid to go out there, put myself out there, and put my name on something. And also, I guess I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong or be embarrassed. So if I mess something up or if I lose or if I fail at something, I just kind of I'm just rolls off my back and I just keep moving. So Yeah, that's, that's good. When COVID hit, a lot of people took to the virtual world, whether it had been Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And next thing you know, everybody was a trainer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody uh, everybody knew everything. Everybody said, hey, if you want to lose weight, do this. If you want to gain weight, do this. If you want to be an athlete, do this. And a lot of it didn't even really remotely make sense. <laughs> so what is what is your view on like the current state of, quote unquote, TikTok trainers or media influencers who are just in the gym and they say hey do this and do that when obviously a lot of people know that they're just juicing or whatever Mm -hmm. may have you like what's your view on that so i think that there are two different buckets that people can fall into one they're playing the game they know the algorithm they know how to use social media they know what keywords to put into their post they know what uh pictures to post they know what views to that get a lot of things because everything is regurgitated they mm-hmm. can just look at someone else's page that has millions of billions of followers copy what that person is doing or try to recreate what that person is doing and then they get followers they can get some sponsorships and they can make some money on the side some people make a lot of money doing that and that to me is the game i personally don't have any interest in playing the game I don't have a very big following from my understanding, just whatever that number means. But I know that I have a lot of people that I've met and connected with that have always told me that what I do is very necessary and I've helped out a lot of people. Where the where the, the TikTok and what you said the fitness influencers fall into is they're saying that they're doing it to help people, but it's more I see it as they're doing it to one help themselves which is cool because that's what everybody needs to do is help themselves but all they're doing is just copying and pasting and copying and pasting and just regurgitating what other people are saying without actually understanding or knowing what they're actually trying to provide to someone or explain to someone in person mm-hmm. when you I've, I've talked to a few of those people that I've actually met in person and you know seen what they post online and when you talk to them in person they're either a completely different person that they don't post what they, that, that they're not who they post they are, or you can tell right away that they actually have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to having someone build healthy habits and having someone 
be in a ready mental state to actually physically work out because maybe they either don't care enough to have those conversations or they have a certain look they can build muscle very easily or they're taking things that aren't natural and they're willing to sacrifice that they're willing to sacrifice their integrity for that and i know just by the environment that i grew up in your integrity is everything Mm -hmm. because i grew up in an environment where if you said something in person to someone or if you were talking about someone that you should have been talking to you get into an actual physical fist fight yeah Yeah, yeah, (laughs) so that's the kind of environment that i grew up in and i guess that's my mindset on online a lot of people don't have that mindset a lot of people say some wild stuff that in person would get them in trouble and they're not afraid of that because it's online so shameless exactly exactly so i so that that's where i think people fall into either they're playing the game or there's plenty 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 of people that i follow that i fill my pages with that i get a lot of my great information from i've gotten more knowledge and more understanding of how to structure a program how to structure building someone's healthy habits how to structure an exercise workout from start to finish a program where it leads into someone doing 12 weeks 20 uh 12 months 24 months whatever that is because i found the right people to follow online and i've paid for their programs or i've listened to plenty of their content that they put out and that's how i've been able to learn youtube university straight up mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned playing a game like influencers play the game and you know they know the algorithm and stuff like that and i agree with you in a sense of there's, ne- there's not necessarily anything wrong with playing a game because it gets you the views and mm-hmm. views turn to to money and money helps you take care of your people but at the Correct. same time if playing a game leads to other people's disservice or bad habits or you know a lot of people they'll they'll go on social media which is a dark hole in itself and they'll they'll try and get fitness advice and they say okay well this girl looks a lot better to me i'm not gonna look like her regardless whatever 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 and then they'll start backsliding in their self-esteem or whatever and then or a guy will see another dude and is like oh he's probably juicing but at the same time i want to be like him and so i think it's just like uh they're just another one of those people that people are just going to compare themselves to mm-hmm. and that people are just going to second guess themselves. Like, are they good enough? Stuff like that. And it's like, cool. You, you made your dollar, but like at what cost? Exactly. Like at what, ex- at what expense? Like this person's over here hating themselves because you told them another, you're another person telling them like, yeah, what you're doing is wrong. Which you, you'll always be wrong. I hate like I uh, is stand like when someone has the balls to say you're doing something wrong after not having a two-hour conversation with that person yeah how can you tell someone you're doing something wrong when you have no idea what that person is doing yeah i see it as the the exact people that you're talking about the people that just either put negative um information out there they're reviewing other people's information and they're just kind of trashing it or they just are putting things out there that they saw someone say one time and they're like, oh, if I say this, then I'll get those same followers and those same people. If you go out into the real world and you go to any grocery store or you go to any department store or you go to just anywhere in life, the way life is now, 75% of those people are going to be not what you see online. They're mm-hmm. not going to, they're not going to be physically fit. They're not going to look like those people online there's such a small minority of those people that actually look like that. And also, if you follow the right pages, 
there's a lot of people that expose a lot of those people for mm-hmm. editing their photos. Yeah. And you'll yeah. see a lot yeah. of that, yeah. that all yeah. the way through. So I like to look at those people as they're doing what they, they like, like they made their bed, they're going to sleep in it. That's, that's what they chose to do. That's how they're going to live their life. They're, they have a certain persona online and whether they live that uh, in person or not, that's on them. I like to think of them as junk food. Yeah. You can only handle so much of it and then you're tired of it. So it will please you at the moment and then you're done with it after that. But then the people that continually, uh, sorry, continuously eat the junk food, that's the, they're just going to have an unhealthy feed. And if you have an unhealthy feed, it probably just feed, it probably just, you know, goes into everything else that you have in your life. And that's how I understand healthy habits is. If you're going to continuously consume junk food, then that's how your body's going to react. And then that's how your life is going to react. And that's how everything follows through from there. So to me, those people are junk food. Yeah, for sure. Um, What's your end goal for Think Strong Fitness? Are you looking to open like a a storefront or open your own gym? Or are you just kind of content where you are at your garage? So the garage was actually the uh, first, you know, big thing I put into my business you know i bought a house with a garage yeah. so that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of what i put my um i kind of just said hey you know if you're gonna do this and you're gonna do it for a long time you have to one build up your equity within people so you have to be able to talk to more people you have to be able to reach out to more people and just build your own I guess build, build, build my own respect within people so that way they can trust me and they can understand that what I'm doing is for the best for them. So what I did was I was like, you know, if these people are going to trust me, I need to put more trust into myself and put my money where my mouth is. So I bought the house. I'm doing a bunch of cool things to the garage right now. I just got my squat rack and some mats set up in there. I had some weights before and shout out to all those people that worked, that worked with me before that because I literally had people coming into a town home bedroom size like this and i just had a rubber mat on the floor and some weights and we were doing some crazy work you gotta start somewhere right exactly so (laughs) you know i was meeting kids i was meeting players in their in their own homes i was driving to their homes i was meeting them at parks and you know i just kind of hustled wherever i could and now i have my own spot i have my own place people come to me but i still uh do virtual training online as well and now what i'm going to do is just take that space that i have and just make my videos a little bit more enhanced with the way that i film them uh adding voiceover sound on there so that way it's easier for for people to understand my mindset about things because i work out based on one where my body is currently to where I want it to be, whether I, you know, anything can happen with my health. So I kind of just plan for what it's going to look like in the next three to six months and then what my mindset is. So that's something that I try to teach everyone that works out with me is what is your mindset going into this? Because that's going to, that's going to confirm your outcome. You might not be ready for this type of exercise right now, but with the proper warm up, you can be, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's not going to work out in, in your favor and you have to just, you know, try try again the next time so that's kind of what i gauge with the people that come and work with me in person is what is your mindset how are we going to treat it because they could be having some aches and pains that they didn't have last week 
or you know they just came off of a game or they you know always had this issue for the past few years and they didn't really know how to address it so every single person is different every single person that i have to deal with is individual so that's how i treat my business as an individual so i try to make sure that everything that i'm doing is because it pleases me and you know it's good for me whether the algorithm likes it or not i don't really care i just think that as long as i you know, whatever that word means, stay authentic, then it's going to work out in my favor because I'm trying to do this for a long time. I'm not trying to do this right now and get quick money. I want to make sure that I build up my equity within people. I build up the respect and I build up my knowledge most of all, because if I'm not learning, then I'm not helping the people that actually need my help. Yeah. 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 Respect. Respectable. Very respectable. And wrapping up, since you're a Giants fan, what's your predictions on a Giants season? All the way. All the way to what? playoffs <laughs> you think so i think we can get to the playoffs again i would hope so yeah uh the thing that i like about it is one we're getting a lot of players back from injury that were very injured last year and still made it to the playoffs yeah but i feel like the way that they're taking their approach on the offense and the way that they're taking their approach on the defense is they're trying to not be like everyone else in the league they're not trying to go for they're not trying to just hit highlight plates highlight plays every single time and you know now that now now that they have that with Hyatt what's his name Jalen Hyatt yeah. Hyatt so you know hopefully he can be a big impact with some highlight plays or big plays down the field because that you know the energy of the game obviously fights all in one favor towards the other so i think that they are going to at least make it to the playoffs i hope and that just you know obviously with everyone just being healthy but i like i like the picks that, that they made and i like the players that they bring in back and i don't like what they did with saquon <laughs> yeah um there's a guy by the name of brett coleman who just released a video on youtube talking about the running back situation brett's a guy who he goes deep into football talk i'm talking about like analytics players like all 22 footage like this man is like a, a guru so he mm -hmm. gave his opinion on uh the running back situation which i said on i don't remember what episode it was but it was a long time ago where i said running backs the most disposable position in football so mm -hmm. it's going to be a continued thing running backs aren't going to get paid because their lifespans in the nfl aren't that long anyway and so if you can, if the coaches and the GMs can play the game of, okay, we're going to keep on a rookie contract for six years and then just draft somebody else, then a lot can happen in six years. You know, in, in six years, you got another guy who is another Saquon coming mm -hmm. out of college. You just, okay, cool. I got another Saquon. Just pick him. You know what I mean? So it, it sucks for running backs, but at the same time, I understand it just because, I mean, they're all retired at like 30, 31. Exactly. Drafted at 22 uh, versus like a quarterback. You know, you got Tom Brady playing for 23 years, 24 years. Aaron Rodgers playing for 21, 22 years. I mean, it just comes with a territory. It's unfortunate, but it comes with a territory. So I would like to see Saquon stick around after this year. Um, but at the same time, wouldn't be surprised if he if he walks yeah. after the season. And I, I, I totally agree with that. It's always been that way. And the running back position never got paid, I think, until, well, like Todd Gurley. Uh, so Todd Gurley, yeah, and he then got Ezekiel, sixty M's, and then, and then Ezekiel, Zeke, yeah. and then Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, it was just the fact that they were they were in a market where they were able to be afforded to get paid that much, but also 
I think what the, I think what the problem was with the Giants is that Daniel Jones just showed up. Like he mm-hmm. just showed up at the mm-hmm. time that Saquon's contract was going to be renewed. So they had a pick, and they just they you know they put their money on their quarterback versus their versus their running back because he had those injuries. So yeah. it's unfortunate that he missed a window where he probably could have got paid a lot of money, and him going anywhere else most likely won't be the same situation like i i highly doubt we'll ever see another contract like zeke or or mccaffrey or mccaffrey ever again in in the running back position no never never i'll be very surprised it it would have to be god himself playing football (laughs) in order to get a contract like that but i'm excited for a giant season i think daniel jones he he had a really good season last year i'm expecting him to do the same thing again saquon is saquon um like you said how do you feel about dable I like Dable mm-hmm. a lot. You know, he, it's not an accident that he was a coach of the year. Yeah, last absolutely. Year. You know, coming coming over from Buffalo and taking the three and thirteen, four and twelve Giants team into uh, second place in the NFC East. Nobody's been beating Philly. I don't think anytime soon. But, no, no, definitely not. And, and that's probably one of the things that sucks the most for the Giants is that they're arguably in one of the best divisions right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> because if they if they were in almost any other division besides can't besides the same one that Kansas City is in, I mean they'd be a top team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got like the entire AFC. It was just a bunch of ballers, and then you got the NFC East. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. You know the AFC. Obviously, Patty Justin Herbert just got paid. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Burrow's about to get paid. Lamar Jackson just got paid. Like Deshaun Watson, obviously paid last year. Like. I don't like I don't like the fact that they are not releasing details about uh, Joe Burrow's calf injury. I don't like that because they they were making it seem like it was a calf injury, obviously because he was wearing that sleeve beforehand, and he had a similar injury in college uh, at one point where he was off for a few weeks, I believe, because of a lower leg injury or whatever. But they are not releasing any details about his calf injury, and I really wonder why because. I watched a few videos of people trying to break it down and explain it, and the way that his foot hit the ground and then he kind of like popped up. Obviously, it didn't look like it was an Achilles issue, but the Achilles is such a long tendon that it goes right up the middle of the leg and then goes right into the um, the back of the calf where I think it's called the gastrocnemius, one of those muscles up there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 again, I really, I don't know the name. I, I'm terrible that I don't know the names of all the muscles, but I'm learning. Yeah. And it was, that could be a very significant injury because yeah. that's his, that's his pushing off leg. Yeah. So that could be a very significant injury for a long time. And if it's not treated properly, if it's not healed properly, and he, the fact that it's happening before the season, not in the middle of the season, where he where he kind of just like fight through it. He has to get through all those crappy first games, like the first six or seven games first, and then maybe re-injure it later. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, it's tough. But hopefully they come out with something soon. We'll see. Yeah. But with all that being said, uh, Think Strong Fitness will be posted in the bio. Your Instagram will be posted in the bio. And also the link tree that is in your bio for Think Strong Fitness will also be posted. So I appreciate you. Yeah, man, this I was fun. It. I this appreciate fun. you coming on and talking a little bit of soccer, talking a little bit of fitness, um, and just kind of telling your story. If Let me just make one more prediction as yeah. well. If Messi stays in the U.S. because he just came over and mm-hmm. now he's playing for Miami, mm-hmm. I firmly believe soccer will probably be one of the top three sports in the country in the next five years. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Top three. I think... I, I think 
I think soccer is going to push out baseball. I can see that happening. I think soccer is going to push out push out baseball. One because it's still very low entry of barrier, mm-hmm. just like um, just like basketball is. It's a very I mean you don't just grab a ball and go to almost any any basketball court. Like there's bas- there's more basketball courts than there are just open football fields right. everywhere. Right. So um, I I firmly believe obviously football is still going to be the number one sport in the U.S. for a very long time just because of how much money they do make. Mm-hmm. NBA is always going to be right up there as well, but I think soccer is finally seeing its time and it's finally going to come up and be one of the most popular because look at what look at what the american players are doing they're going and they're buying european soccer teams right now like come mm-hmm. on you've never mm-hmm. seen that before right. at least like i'm sure there's been plenty of situations where they have bought those teams before and you know just in silence or billionaires that bought those teams before in silence but mm-hmm. you never like you're not seeing it. Like, did you see, did you see that uh, Tom Brady bought uh, uh, yeah. one of those teams yeah, over there? Yeah. So, I mean, hey, it's coming, man. It is. You need to get, uh, what's his name? M- Mbappe? Is that his name? Yep. You yeah, need, yeah. You need to get him over here. <laughs> that that, that $760 million dollar contract uh-huh. they turned down, I was like, wow. Like you wouldn't have to, yeah. That's one ethics. year. Yeah, that, that's ethics, though. That That's a man that has integrity. Yeah, that to, is. To, to, turn that down, is. to turn down that kind of money because... He refuses to go play for an environment that has those kind of beliefs that treat their people a certain way. I don't know exactly who offered him the money, but apparently it was Saudi money, just like just like what they did with Live, uh, Live Golf, and that's another that, that's another situation that's that's crazy as well. But no, that's that's a man with integrity. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to him, and shout out to soccer making it even an even uh bigger statement in the u.s so it's I, coming i like it i like that message over here kind of doing the whole thing um well that that wraps it up for our episode so george appreciate you coming out i know it wasn't a short drive mm-hmm. out here but it means a lot that you took the time to come out here and chop it up with me and uh just be a part of what is the top of the morning podcast appreciate it, cameron thank you very much and you made it a very pleasant experience man I appreciate you. Until next time on Top of the Morning Family. Top of the morning, 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 top of the morning. Hold up.